that's that's about it. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I think it picks up in eleven. Eleven, I guess, kind of starts redeeming and trying to. Well, actually, it's not even closing any plot holes, plot threads. Yeah, there's still fourteen plot threads running through these things. But there's a bunch yeah. of scenes. But before we get too down on it, I will say I did like the uh, the setup to the assault itself. Okay. The mm-hmm. the, the buildup, the the planning, minus maybe some of the Billy Overlook stuff, because we can talk about how he's watching them with them completely unaware and whatever. But the 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 setup, you kind of get to see Curtis and, and Frank and, and the camaraderie at the same time as the prep for the assault. And of course, once the assault happens and gets past the initial few minutes of it, we can discuss how badly it plays out. Yeah, I'm thinking, you know, we keep talking a lot about how for this series in particular, since we only have 13 episodes to wrap up everything with and how there are so many plot threads that are still dangling and how we've been watching it all get woven out from the beginning until now. And I keep thinking about something about how, you know, if this series had been done, you know, nine, ten years ago, even we'd be looking at the likelihood of having almost twice as many episodes because old network TV was okay. well, if we're going to greenlight a show, you're not just going to give us 13 episodes. You're going to give us 22, 23, 24 a season, which on the one hand gives you more ability to stretch stories out and be more intricate with plot threads and things like that. But then you also have a lot of filler crap that they have to throw in these little one-off deals just to fill space. And I think the issue with the Punisher is that we're so used to having so much going on in such a compact window that when you have an episode like episode 10, that the structure is just off that you're bouncing back and forth so much and there's no real consistency to it 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 definitely to me feels like the weakest sister in the bunch Mm -hmm. uh that said there are elements of it that i will get to that i thought were really good that were ultimately failed by the overall structure of the episode i just didn't know like when when did the whole valhalla and billy owning the city when did that happen? You can't tell me these things. You have to show it to me. And why all of a sudden all these Vietnam, I should say Vietnam vets, any, all these vets are now clamoring together and now they're running like guard duty. It, it just, it just mystified me. I'm, I feel like I've missed something. Yeah. I mean, they don't show it. I guess these kind of have to assume that, you know, words gotten out or they've been recruiting other like-minded ex army vets or whatever to, to join the whatever you want to call them, a gang, well, a, a crew, whatever, you know. And that's why I wanted to think that there was a time jump, at least in my brain, it feels like there is between episode eight and nine. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like that while they don't really show it, Billy's crew goes from, you know, the little bit he had at the first job to Valhalla. And it was almost like overnight between eight and nine, it felt like. So... Yeah, yeah I mean, they, they they had to use their money or whatever to buy that warehouse or, or rent it or whatever. It's a, they, they had to get enough money from their schemes and then to get their place to recruit more people from, to from do robbing more check cashing to, places. Yeah, to do uh, <laughs> robbing banks. Yeah. So, yeah oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Right. Anyway, I already talked about that before. <laughs> so. Right. Well, and 
if you look at it from the context of how, and obviously that definitely applies in these two episodes, because we'll get to it in episode 11 when we see Karen Page come back in, of how Punisher is tied directly into especially the Daredevil side of the mm-hmm. Marvel Netflix universe, mm-hmm. okay? Billy Russo is saying, we own the city now. No. Mm-hmm. Wilson Fisk would have a word with you about that. Because we've seen a guy who goes to the lengths that he wants to to own the city. And he did it, frankly, a hell of a lot better. Uh, but, yeah, there was... It, it seemed like such a jump from where we left Billy at the midway point of episode nine when he made that decision and convinced the other guys, okay, let's reinvest this and let's build on what we've done. Okay, I get you there. That that is a smart idea. Instead of just going out and blowing it all, looking at it from that standpoint, okay, I that tracks. But then going from that and making that quantum leap ahead to, well, now we own everything. Yeah, and he's got this whole huge infrastructure under him, like he did in season one. No. Well, uh, and your point and, to, to Moses' point, you got to show us. Yeah. You can't just tell us. We and need to and not it. to jump ahead too far, but I think that put him in a bind because once they made that jump, now Billy's got a huge crew and is this all powerful enterprise, and they wanted to bring it back to just him and Frank. And so, a lot of what we're going to gripe on, I think, in ten. <laughs> is them resetting that stage and clearing his crew out. So now it's just him. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like, let's build it up to make him a, a, a big enemy. But then to keep it personal, we've got to get rid of it all real quick. Yeah. So be, before we, we tear that to shreds, um, <laughs> do we want to talk about the, the pilgrim part at the beginning, like the, the pilgrim party? Uh, <laughs> Not really. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no Eric, the, I the want John you to talk pilgrim pilgrim party. Party, party. Yeah. So, or, or, or have, just, or just this little meeting with his former gang, where I mean, when he's doing the flashbacks with his wounds in the bed and how he got them, and you, you know, I it's had, a great, you, you know, it's a great headbutt when you got to take the other guy's teeth out of your head. Ugh. I mean, that that was a little too. <laughs> I had no problem with the um, fight. What I had a problem with was taking the opportunity for them to just totally undo all the menace they could with Pilgrim and resetting back to a fallen person. You know, what I'm saying he was this. Um, on a mission from God mm-hmm. uh, soldier and the commitment is what gave him, I think a threatening tone. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they just burned all that in that right. one episode. And it, that, yeah. that's probably my, I like that. I like that less than I like any of the other stuff in the episode. Honestly. I think that's a really interesting point is like, you've built this character up to be, I was once this, but now I am, I'm a, I'm a found man and I am, I have, Lack of a better term, I have God behind me, and what strong? How how much stronger could I actually be? And how easy it was for him to fall back to, and and to fall into old habits. Because he was more kind of menacing, as like he, he was more quiet, yeah, and more reserved, and more like mis- not not mysterious. Well, I guess mysterious sort of, and you know, kind of like menacing without overtly being menacing. You know, whereas you know the fight, okay, whatever. You know, he's defending himself and they show it in you know interesting ways to be not be boring but then he like totally falls into the drugs booze and hooker you know slide or whatever and <laughs> yeah i mean well, lit- literally he's getting filleted uh 
and thinking about his wife and like, you know, kind of being kind of spiritual about it all at the same time. Like, yeah, right. what <laughs> is going big, on? This big While soliloquy he, about brotherhood and whoever was like, I'm like, what? I'm like, yeah. okay. I, you know, I mean, that's a way to a hell handle of a drug, that. But geez. <laughs> yeah. I think they were trying to not to defend my least favorite part, but I think they, what they were attempting to do was to try to show a, a mirror between his fall mentally and, whatever and frank's fall right mm. where, they, where they they broke their mindset and i get what they wanted i don't think they succeeded yeah i mean well, it does kind of give it kind of gives a little bit of backstory into pilgrim like how he you know found rebecca and like confessed to her like this is what i used to be i'm not him anymore you know and like but then to have him you know go back the other way and totally fall apart you know and also you know to that point the one who is getting down and dirty quite literally was Frank. I mean, you go back to the fight at the gym with the Russians yep. and how he just, he gets everywhere he goes, he ends up coming out and he gets bloody. You know, the, the shot we all talk about when he goes back to Madani's apartment and he's covered in blood, two thumbs up. I don't care. I did my job. Uh, you know, the ultimate Frank Castle meme. But to this point, everything Pilgrim has done has been clean. He, cold, he cold every time he, yeah. every time he killed somebody, he came out. He was spotless, and now you see him get taken down. I don't want to say necessarily to Frank's level, but he finds himself where the only option for him is to get down and dirty like Frank does. He's got no resources. No, he doesn't. And on the one hand, I I like the slight character development involved in that because. We also have him trying to maintain his connection with his wife and doing that via the Schultzes and Eliza Schultz, who we see a lot of in these two episodes. And we see how much she is manipulating the situation and just how out there she is, um, which now puts Pilgrim in an even more interesting point going into the last two episodes. Mm hmm. Like, I, I think more he's like, an interesting like, character. Know, he, yeah, and, and the way he they frame it here, where you know he he's so you know drugged and coked out of his head that he misses the call probably of his last talk to his wife, which you know he didn't get the chance to talk to her before she yeah. died. Yeah. So you know that adds, I guess, an element to the you know whatever tragedy or whatever. But yeah. I also want to say there's there's the lest we forget this episode episode ten starts out in a flashback, which we you know we we learn. It's Madani and um, Dumont. Dumont. And, like, I appreciate that, but I think that's the part that set this, It like, it was the wrong tone to set up. Because we weren't, I know what we're getting at. We're getting at that Dumont is getting information from Madani in order to get to Frank. But that's not completely clear, so we don't know that the, essentially, the bomb is under the table. I, I I wasn't getting that, so there was no stakes to what this actually meant um, further down the line. Does that make sense? Yeah, the the structure of it is so murky that we don't have a definitive. <clears throat> the only way we would have known for sure, really, is if they had time stamped each section. If they had said, you know, and, and literally. 10.30 p.m., yeah. Madani walks into Dumont's apartment. 9 o'clock the previous night, 
Frank and Curtis up on the roof, you know, and and having it skip ahead in those ways. Otherwise, they're relying on the viewer to to keep pace with it. And again, the structure isn't executed well enough to make that those clean transitions understandable. So it's it's okay. Is this happening at the same time? If it's not happening at the same time, who's doing what when? When is this happening relative to when Madani is giving Dumont the information she needs to give to Billy so this can happen? It, it's so back and forth and so cattywampus that, yeah, you're left kind of going, wait a minute. Did that when? What? Huh? This and, was almost yeah. two hours compressed into 40 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And, I guess the, the other issue I had with that is, <clears throat> you know, Madani was so observant that, you know, she caught Pilgrim watching her at the at the diner and, you know, circle, you know, jump back on him later. And here she's spilling her guts to Dumont, not realizing she's playing madani or i I don't know i I didn't quite get it was madani trying to play her was she playing them like okay i eric i know what your confusion is you're what you're saying is madani is sharp only when the plot doesn't allow her to be and and yeah i mean mean, or or to try and make her you know face her feelings over billy and what's going on and maybe that left her not sharp still but yeah i to your point yeah i mean it's it's the script but yeah but what was good? Let, let, okay, we, we've done we've done some crapping. I think we're all getting <laughs> gearing gearing into the cool part, <laughs> essentially, which is Frank being Frank and doing some really technically tactical cool stuff that we'd like to see. Well, and to an extent, not even just that, but also how Billy counters it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I did think. The strongest part for me by far, and it wasn't just because of the blood and guts of it. It was you have Frank in a situation of, you know, he's one man going up against all those guys and Billy sets the trap. Frank walks into it. And then the way it's executed tactically is really smart. You throw Frank off balance. You throw him off visually. You throw him off hearing you blast music in his ears you do everything you can to keep him on the back foot and as he's on the back foot you chop him down Mm -hmm. and we see that we see frank so sure that he's going to be able to do what he does and we finally see somebody throw a counter to it going "Uh uh-uh now that said as we've seen throughout the punisher you know, the way he gets beaten down, you have, what, five, six, seven guys. They're wailing on him with crowbars, wrenches, bats, canes. Mm-hmm. I don't care how tough you are. You take a beat like that, you are staying down. Yeah. But as we all know, Frank's plot armor is thick enough that it, they make it so he can withstand all that and keep going. Which, again, being the Punisher, it's what we expect. But... There is a fine line that they keep crossing on that where you go, even to a layman, that it just it's it's too much. Yeah. And and, and they, they address that a little bit when they're in, in the next episode when Mahoney's laying out the scene, right? And he's talking it over with Madotti and he mentions the salt rounds and, and something that I didn't grasp when we first watched it, uh, going through episode ten, and that was the the fact that it was intentionally less than lethal from the start. 
But yeah, I'll, you're right. I'll, I'll, I'll second. What is his body armor made out of? I mean, if he's taking like yeah. you know about this time like 114 rounds and he's like you know still running around. It would have been nice to to have even Billy say, "Make sure you're you're strapped with non lethal. Make sure whatever like however you could say it. It might be one or two sentences just to let us know." Their intention was not actually to kill Frank, but at the same time, when when Billy leaves, um, he's basically like break him and then kill him. So exactly, exactly. That's from a from somebody who has done my share of writing in in am I Dan Morin? No, but that's another discussion for another day. Uh, but you can distill it down into six words, five words break him don't kill him right it, it's it's not about because again he wants to make frank suffer as frank made him suffer that's mm-hmm. what this is all about and to get there you have to be able to just keep taking pieces out of him and yeah. we see what it does to him and we see it more in episode 11 as he's trying to get himself back into a position where he can at least survive. Uh, you don't have to waste a whole lot of exposition on it. You could have had one of his guys going, you know, why don't we just kill him? Yeah. You know, he's, we got with the plan. We could kill him really easily. And Billy can just say it. We're here to break him. Yeah. On the artistic level, I like the idea of the strobe lights and the music and that sound design because it gave you kind of that parallel of what it's like to be in Billy's head and juxtapose that onto Frank and, and how to set him on his heels. I'd like that. That was, that was extremely like effective for me. I, I could, I could get into that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know we're going to rag on this later, but I mean, it, it's a great set piece. I mean, yep. you know how Frank is set up, you know, with, with them on the you know, Billy and um, Billy watching Frank and Curtis on the roof while they're having their bonding time, and you know, like you know, who watches the watchers, you know, but that's cool. Eric, and the that's whole, what it that, is. That, it's set pieces. I mean, that's the whole and, and the episode whole, yeah. is great set pieces. Yeah, the whole you know Frank gets ambushed, you know, gets beat to hell, but then you know he rises from the dead and you know beats everybody up and escapes. Sort of, you know, it, it's great, a great set piece. The Even logistics Curtis's. And, Curtis's and the reality of yeah, but the reality of what happens or why it happened, which we'll get into it probably here in a minute, it just makes no sense. Well, doesn't make much sense. And, and while we're on positives, I will say, and this is kind of jumping towards a little more to, to the end of this episode, but um, the the Curtis part where he's actually uh, forced to respond, and you see him try to after he shoots the guy try to save him because that's what he is, right? He yes. was the medic. He's Mm-hmm. It, it was Curtis being Curtis. And I thought that was probably my favorite part of the episode was seeing his response where he got put in the situation where he had to act like Frank and then immediately switching back to his core and trying to undo the damage and save the person. And there were consequences that happened in the next mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, I, think yeah, I mean, Curtis- everyone's broken in this episode. You know, Frank gets broken by Billy. Curtis gets broken by what he did to the guy. You know, it's. But good- gets broken by Dumont. Yep. Yeah. Right. But out of all of them, to me, Curtis is the most consistent from where we left him at episode nine through to episode 11, because he's still maintaining his moral compass. Mm-hmm. The conversation he has with Frank about Billy when Frank admits that, yeah, he's got a blind spot. 
when he finally acknowledges that, which is not something that you hear Frank Castle ever really admit to, you know, because he's so laser focused on a target that to him to concede that he has a blind spot for the person he's going after, not an easy admission to make, but he can make that to Curtis and Curtis gets it. And then Curtis turns around and to what we were saying earlier about the whole idea of, well, how did he, how did Billy manage to put all this together so quickly? Again, he manages to, it's given to us in one sentence. You know, these guys want to be a part of something and Billy is giving that to them. Period. Done. Over. You don't have to expound on it. And, and I credit the writers in being able to at least get one of the characters right in an otherwise badly constructed episode. And I'm glad it was Curtis because Curtis keeps reminding us why we like him so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he goes completely against the grain of who Frank is, and that doesn't make him a terrible person. It makes Frank a better character for having him as a counterpoint and somebody he can push against and somebody he can lean on. But if this episode is, that's easily the biggest positive for me is that we still got to see Curtis being Curtis and that consistency is maintained through the slipshod uh, structure of the episode. Mm-hmm. Are, are we okay with how Frank got broken? Again, this is not negative nor positive. I just didn't see it indicative of his character that, you know, he made some a spray of shots thinking it was Billy and a few others but in technically, it was these prostitutes that got killed, and that somehow messed Frank up. I mean, I, I, I do buy it because we've been talking about you know Frank has his code, you mm-hmm. know, and even Madani talked to Demont about you know and and Mahoney. It's like oh you know oh Frank has a code, you know. And so I mean, I, I do kind of buy it that you know Frank is punishing the guilty, you know, that he, he's helping the innocent or the people that were victimized, you know, by attacking the. The people that victimized them or the people that did, did the, the, the wrong and for him to you know on purpose or by accident kill innocents yeah i mean that i can see it hitting him where i guess you know his his comic book code is you know okay i can i can buy it in the moment when he's been through the disoriented gauntlet and they put everything they could to him and he's barely standing and he thinks he's done it and all that kind of stuff i i can buy it in the moment for the lasting, and I, again, not to get too far into 11, but the fact that the lasting impact of it, I struggle with that because I would think that Frank has enough capability to, to step back and think about, I did my best to see this coming. What, why, you know, basically, how, how could he trust Billy to have actually not set him up? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it, there seems to be a, a, a no level of suspicion of Billy that I would expect Frank to have. And I think to an extent, there is the, the reality of when you have such a strict moral code as Frank does, and then all of a sudden you see that get turned on its ear, as we see at the end of episode 10. There is a moment in episode 11, and as we're transitioning into it anyway, we might as well get into it, yep. uh, which leads into easily my favorite part of episode 11, which is Karen frickin' Page. God, it is good to see her again. About time. Agreed. And yeah, waiting for that. Yeah. There is a moment in his conversations with Karen where he says flat out, it's not that he didn't know that they were there. It's that he didn't care. 
after everything that had happened in getting jumped in everything in Valhalla, that whole sequence, that whole set piece, as Frank is running purely on autopilot, probably running on adrenaline, and just so singularly focused on trying to stop Belly that he lets it rip, and we see, because we get... We get we don't just get Burnthal grunt, we get Burnthal roar in that sequence, remember. And that's when you know that Frank is totally off the chain. And when you see that really settling into him at the hospital afterwards when he's talking to Karen and the anybody who has had to deal with survivor's guilt or PTSD to various extents when you've had that moment where you have done something and obviously not on a scale like this, it could be something fairly mundane, but when the rationale kicks in that you're the one who is responsible for it. And when you really peel it back and try and figure out the hows and the whys for you, let it happen. And you know, instinctively a part of you basically said, I don't care or I didn't care. You know, that's a big deal. And it's not an easy admission to make, especially when you're Frank Castle and you don't let yourself be vulnerable like that. You know, I the, the conversations he had with Karen in episode 11 juxtaposed against everything that was wrong in episode 10 to me was some of the strongest stuff in the entire series to this point, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, and, and I think in like, especially episode 11, it seemed like everything except, you know, about halfway through, everything was contained down to a few set pieces. We had the hospital, um, a little bit of, of, uh, let me see. Well, we had, we did have we a, had little a little bit of the trailer. Yeah. The morgue. Yeah. Yeah. Which was interesting. I didn't, I, that was a nice, uh, setup. And then pay off later. I was really not expecting the whole creepy Ed Moore guy <laughs> and his favor that Karen gives him. That was not expected at all. And it was actually kind of funny. It, it was a little bit of levity in, again, otherwise a very dark and twisted season. And as soon as I saw it, I remember I was like, only in Frank's world. Would somebody like this guy exist? Yeah, that you, and you, the and the clown with the balloons. That was the other part of that episode. Yeah, right. was the, yeah. the moment of yeah. levity. Yeah, we we wouldn't see Ed the Morgue attendant in Daredevil. He wouldn't be in Luke Cage. He wouldn't be in Jessica Jones. Even though in Jessica Jones, somebody like that would not seem entirely out of place either. But in Frank's world, there's a spot for Ed the creepy Morgue attendant. I thought he wanted to date. I was positive. That's what it would be. It would be something to the effect of, okay, so will I see you this Friday? Something, something to that effect. Lo behold, he wears Crocs and he, but he really likes women's shoes. And yeah, happened to be her size. As, as, as soon as we saw Karen walking down the hallway with her bare feet, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. I was just <laughs> like, not okay. ready. It was like, <laughs> it was the, like the most oceans. Like I call it Ocean Six Six Six, like breakout plot I've ever seen. It was really, actually, very well set up and organized. I felt like I was watching a Soderbergh uh, type situation. <laughs> and yeah, Soderbergh I mean, you know, decided he was going to do the Punisher. Yes. Yeah. 
I mean, it makes sense. You know, Karen's a reporter. You know, you do favors with people to get in, you know, to get the, the the tips, the inroads with things. So, okay, this guy wants her shoes. Okay, here you go. Can we get in the board now? Thanks. You know, that, I, I was I, I was a reporter for ten years, Eric. What are you insinuating? That well, you know things. What, what kind of shoes are you wearing right now? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I have bare feet, but I will not comment more. <laughs> Speaking of her being a reporter, I did want to point out that was one moment of confusion I had at the beginning of this episode, and I'm assuming she was just using it as a way to get in. But when she first appears, she plays up the um, Nelson and Murdoch yeah. angle, and I, I was like, "Wait, are we back in?" You know, when she's still with the firm, and where where did this fit in the timeline? And then later, she gets referenced to the Ed about being an investigator, and I'm like, "Well, okay, so that was just a ploy." I, I, that that threw me off a little bit. Yeah, I, they never really, and I should have gone back and looked because I'm not entirely sure either, but I believe this comes after the final season of Daredevil. I, I can only assume. So, right. Well, you could look at it that way, or you could look at it that Karen is smart enough that she has enough street smarts like Amy does to know that if she could use either one to get an advantage, then she'll use it. Which, yeah, or, or, or that, that's her role now as part of Nelson and Murdoch, is she's like their investigator that goes out and helps gather evidence or run down leads or whatever. So, you know, but she's also also using her her news creds to you know help with that. Yeah, that's a good point. I need to rewatch Daredevil season three. That's what I'm taking away from that. The you know <laughs> the the one thing that kind of threw me, and maybe it's distance between shows and when I'm watching, but I had actually kind of forgot about the whole. Um, $5 million bounty and what that might do. And especially when we have, I thought it was just some like fake cop coming in to Frank's room. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was positive. It was like, it's like, okay, this guy recognizes him as a cop, but there's probably a lot of cops and he wouldn't know necessarily who's filling in for who. Um, but the whole scene I thought very interesting. However, it played extremely quick was that Frank was so easy because of the damage he had done to innocent people. He was willing to just die and allow this guy instead of getting shot. He has a syringe again. I think it's kind of a weird weapon, but it like what it was striving for. I, I kind of, I could get behind at least that Frank was like, I'm done. There's nothing more I can do. At the same time, like Billy's still alive, dude. What I mean, you're not, you're not out. You don't have to die. Yeah, he, he's just at that point checked out because you know he, you know his his world's been shattered, his code's been broken. He's just like, okay, screw it, I'm done. Even though you know we're all like, no, you idiot. <laughs> you yeah, didn't do it, it. Frank's <laughs> kryptonite, like innocence yeah. dying by his hand. That's his kryptonite. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, guess, I guess you have to have something to, to you know, your Achilles heel, right? Yeah. So. yeah, I mean, if you go by his mission statement of I'm going to punish the people who deserve to be punished, then to turn that and suddenly say, OK, well, that applies to everybody. You know, it's the thin veneer that makes him rationalize why he's able to do what he does. And when after episode 10 and you see him grappling with the reality of that is all gone. And 
again, I go back to that conversation he had with Karen after he wakes up and he breaks down because, and it's not just that he's talking about, you know, what he thought he did, but also how his whole mindset in regards to his family and how, you know, he couldn't save his daughter and he couldn't save his son and what, how they looked when they died Mm -hmm. and, and all of that and, and all of that stuff kind of just, it's been, all of that has been sitting there right alongside all the rage and everything that makes the Punisher, the Punisher that we knew was going to be coming out at some point in this season. It, everything leads to that, but we have that pause before we can really get there after he lets it out for a little while in in storming Valhalla. Now he has to rebuild it back up, and then once he gets the albeit rather convenient explanation that it wasn't him that killed those three women, then he's able to switch that back around and go okay, mm-hmm. and and lay it out to Karen in the very bluntest of terms. When he's talking about why he has to protect Amy, which is why he has to get out of there, because this guy came looking for him and he got that close and he almost let him. Now, if I don't do something now, whoever's coming after this guy to get that bounty from us, they're not going to be able to. uh, He can't do anything handcuffed to a a hospital gurney. Now, at at what point did Billy call Frank? Was it after Frank knew he didn't kill them or before no before. it was it was before okay yeah we, we, which, which even further sets frank off it's like you know because now now billy's doing the same thing to frank that frank did to billy it's like i want you to suffer every day you're gonna think about what you did you know you're gonna be broken the rest of your life like i was you know like yeah. did, did eliza tell um pilgrim where frank was or is that just common knowledge because of the radio that you know, everybody knew Frank Castle was in the hospital. They probably didn't probably common knowledge, I would think, or at least if he had police scanners or yeah. yeah, probably with the connections they have, he probably found out that way. Okay, but she did not implicitly come out and tell him where he was. Yeah, just just to go finish the job, not go finish the job at you know Mercy General or you know. <laughs> yeah, but also gotta- cover up my vein that is bulging. <laughs> Good God! That was the weirdest I, thing, was it not? I, I have, it was I a, have little, a little distracting. I think, yeah. It, it took a minute where I was like, "If that was a makeup effect, that was damn good." But I, I was expecting her to go into was. zombie mode. <laughs> yeah, which is it's funny because um, Annette O'Toole. The first time I ever saw her, she was the original Lana Lane. In the or the original Lana Lang in Superman One with Christopher Reeve, he was Clark Kent's girlfriend in Smallville. Holy! So crap. I remember seeing her forty years younger, and albeit a very striking woman back then, still now. But you see, I thought about that. I'm like, wow! When it hit me that that was her, I was like, oh my god! Like she's got the she's virus. Taking, she's taking a turn. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, either that's some, some good age makeup, or it's like they made that. I don't know. Yeah, but it was definitely like I just kept staring at the veins down her face while she's you know trying to get Pilgrim to you know snap out of it and get back in the game. I'm like, that's taking me out of the whole scene. Yeah, it's just like right. it's like is this the is this the right composition that you all wanted? 
Like, you know, I could see where, like, we really want to get this, you know, at an angle where Pilgrim's on the ground and she's talking to him, but obviously she's bent over and, you know, her blood's pumping and stuff like that. And, you know, just on a normal physiological level, I'm just like, guys, I, you know, I really like what you're like. I, if I was the producer and just say, I, I really, I know what you're going for in this case, let's have her stand up. It, it's not doing it's not doing us any justice because this is really distracting. Honestly, I don't know if it would have made much of a difference. And if you look at the way the scene is shot and the coverage that they have on her, again, we are we are getting glimpses into Frank's world, and in the same way, Ed the creepy morgue attendant works, having a female character being so self righteous mm. and mm-hmm. and dictating what pilgrim does basically directing him as a mechanism to go no you will go do this not because my husband is telling you not because the male dominated patriarchal character in this dynamic is telling you i'm telling you oh devin's getting woke Uh uh-oh look out and i was i was ended up being go off and go ahead ahead. no go ahead i was just gonna say i think that the um the, the one thing I really did like about that scene that, that didn't pay off, but there was a moment where she's talking to to John Preacher and he says, Frank didn't do anything to me. And I really thought maybe that was going to be a pivot point where he just declares war after his wife's death on them, uh, the Schultzes. But it, and that would be interesting to have both both sides coming back in on the Schultzes in the finale two seasons, but or two episodes rather. But we didn't get that. He ended up going back after Frank after she told him to. So. Well, yeah. and, he, he's, and he's, again, gone, he's gone back into holy warrior mode, so he's he's back, you know. Right, or, or at least, or at least, I'm, I'm just gonna get the job done and go back to my kids because that's the only thing I got left now, you know. So, right, but you see the way she manipulates that situation, where you see, to your point, Jason, of how Pilgrim very frankly says, you know, yeah, this guy hasn't done anything to me. I don't. I he fails to at the the stage of where he is at. Being able to see the logic of carrying on is eroding. Now that his wife is dead, all of his motivation to finish his work is gone. And Eliza Schultz, like a pile driver, is bashing him over the head going, no, no, you will do what I tell you for me and my interests, which will ultimately help you and what you have left. So go get him. Yeah, because Pilgrim still has no clue why he's after Frank. Just they—they they have something. Or she has Amy has something that the the Schultzes don't want to get, get out, but he doesn't know what it is. He's just doing it because they helped him get his life back together. And you know now, yeah, he's got like he said, he's got, he's got nothing left except maybe his kids. But still, like there's, there's no fire now. It's just like just get my thing done and I'm going home. Like I just want to get done with this. I don't care, you know. Right, which leads into one angle that we haven't really touched on yet. Which is the the aftermath of Billy and Dumont after he gets back, and because like what we see with Pilgrim and how he's got to keep going, you know, Dumont is formulating the exit strategy for trying to get her and Billy out so they can go have their twisted dysfunctional relationship, whatever it's going to be, and. There is a moment there that I thought was interesting where we see Billy and it's after he makes the phone call Mm -hmm. where she's saying, you know, I thought you'd be happier. 
because you basically you've won you've got what you wanted and he tells her that you know it it's the problem with getting what you want is that when you ultimately get it it's more disappointing than the actual process of getting it, it it's you you've got it right in your hand and now that you have it you go is that it well and the idea when he was t- saying like you know of all the things that that you have done in speaking of dumont that you might resent me you know l- when you look back on it all you might resent me for the things that you've done to help me that, yeah, was, yeah, that was interesting because he, he, he kind of throws it back on her it's like you know well, this is your plan to kill these three women so it's kind of on you as he's putting the, the bullet casings on the table <laughs> that he killed I was, them yeah i thought I was it was just the bullet get casings there. were good foreshadowing yeah well, and, and it was even as a psychological tool, you know, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to take those casings and put them down right in front of her and go, the only reason why these are empty is because of you. Yeah. Now, what? how are you going to deal with that? <clears throat> how, how do you compartmentalize that? And that psychologically was an interesting turn because we haven't seen that side of Dumont yet. And how much that may impact her now that she gets the full scope of how far she's in on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you juxtapose that against her explanation finally opening up to Billy about how she got her scars. And I thought that yeah. was a little telling as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, she's still gone full Harley Quinn. There's no, there's no disputing that. But I like the explanation and and the way she conveys it to Billy, because at first he's standoffish about, it. oh, well, you know, you said this about me, you said this about another guy. Well, who's the other guy? Do you have the same? And he's thinking linearly in terms of, oh, well, this was another love interest that, for whatever reason, isn't in the picture anymore. And what she explains is it was her dad, and then explains why. Yeah. It was like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, you, they're doing I, a lot of character development that's very interesting in this episode. I just, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know, this is episode 11, right, guys? Yeah, you're running yeah, out of there's, time. There's only two more to go, and there's still 47 plot threads. we got to wrap up here in two hours. <laughs> and I think if they'd have done that that setup with her, the explanation, two episodes earlier, and gotten you before the conversation with her and um, um, Madan- Madani, where she kind of manipulated Madani, I think it would have made her more sympathetic at the earlier point. And had you more invested in her character at this point, she's already fully, like you said, gone full Harley. And so how are you, you lose that sympathetic link that yeah. I think you would have had earlier in the season with that backstory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and, it, and, and, go, go ahead. Was it, in thinking about it, it, it's OK. Again, we have 13 episodes to try and, and get all of this stuff into. If you look at it, we've spent all this time with the A arc of Billy Frank Madani and all that. Underlying that, you have the Schultzes, Pilgrim, and Amy. And, and Amy. And the Russian connection and all that stuff. Okay, I would proffer to say, if you took like the middle three episodes, all the stuff that they spent all that time focusing on the Russians and all that, if you had shrunk that down, gave us maybe 20% of it, and spent the bulk of that time fleshing all of this stuff out in that space, 
then you wouldn't see them having to cram so much into these penultimate two episodes before we get to the last two. Yeah, we, they wouldn't be playing catch up on that. I think we certainly would have had a better episode ten, I I believe, but it also would have given them more leeway to intersperse this stuff in a in a more organic way. Yeah, because the whole thing. See if this this makes sense to you guys. So. Dumont's been wanting her and Billy to like, you know, take the money and just go off somewhere to another island, you know, island or another country or just to get away from things. Sure. But, but they can't because, you know, Frank will still find them. So she comes up with the plan to like, you know, crush Frank's, you know, moral code here by having you know, innocent people killed. So at what point did those three prostitutes die? When did Billy kill them? Did he set his guys up? To like basically to wipe out all his all his crew, so that then it was to just be him and her left, and and Frank's in prison or messed up for the rest of his life, and then they could escape. Is, is that the plan? Pretty like, much. At, 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 at what point did Frank uh, did Billy set his whole crew up? Yeah, if I'm a member of of Billy's crew, I have got to like now I'm I'm like rethinking everything that he does because essentially he sees his entire crew is expendable. And, and how did he know to, okay, go, go ahead and beat Frank up so bad, but don't kill him yet. And he, he runs away to kill the prostitutes knowing that, Oh, Frank is going to mow his guys down because there's 15 of them and one of him. And like, what? Like, I I'm, just trying, no, no, I'm just trying to explain. That. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying he, he killed him earlier, but then I guess he's assuming that Frank would just wipe the floor with his people, which that shows you how good people he has apparently. But what, you know, yeah, I just don't. I, so I, I, don't, I don't get that middle part of the plan. I, I get how they're trying to set him up and whatever, but the whole how they executed, I'm confused. Well, and again, that's part of the convoluted structure of, of episode ten, where they had a flashback in there, or they had a sequence, and it was really brief, where you saw Billy and the one guy he got out with take the the three prostitutes down. Uh, yeah, and I think it was right before, I, if I remember it right. He was as Dumont was explaining after meeting with Madani how to get to Frank. And as the narration is going on, you flash to when Billy is firing on the three women. And then you jump forward to when the police come in and Frank is standing there with the gun over the women. And I haven't I would need to go back and watch that to confirm. And it's been a week. But I'm I think that is how that happened in my head canon. Yeah, I mean, this is all plot shortcuts because, you know, the police show up, you know, of course, you know, screen time, like, you know, five seconds after he's standing there in shock that he killed three people. So, like, did they call him ahead of time and say, hey, the Punisher is here. We got red handed. And then, you know, mow the women down. Frank's off getting beat up. And then Billy leaves and everything. OK, two minutes from now, they're all going to die. And Frank will come over. And, yeah. <laughs> right. I do have a question, which is. We have and, answers. And, well, I'd like to think so. <laughs> How do you guys think if there had been a Punisher season three, how do you think his relationship with Karen would have shaken out? Because there is a lot intimated in this episode about what Karen sees in Frank and what Frank sees in Karen. And I, I would have been really curious had we gotten a third season, what would they have done with that relationship? I think we all can get tied up in the idea of them having some sort of relationship. The will they, won't they 
scenario. I, at least, at least from my perspective, that's the, that's, that seems to be, they are inextricably linked and in, in a very interesting and tumultuous way. However, I can't ever accept it to happen. I like it won't, it won't, it doesn't track for me if, you know, they're on the, the back 40 watching their kids grow up. You know, that just, it just doesn't, well, it's not going to fly, but I like the idea of it, but I don't want it. And, and there's two pieces to that. One is Frank's statement to her that he doesn't want it, right? He's, he's now accepted that he has a mission and he doesn't want happiness. So Frank's already moved past it. I think whether he, she feels that way or not. Um, so that's my Punisher take on it. The second thing I would have to say is based on, you know, her involvement in the Daredevil franchise. I don't think that if, if Punisher season had continued and Daredevil had continued, I don't think the Daredevil side would have allowed it to happen in the Punisher, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Plus the whole thing of anytime Frank gets close to somebody, that person either dies or gets horribly maimed. Like the, the bartender woman, his wife. You well, know, and see right there. So then they could play off that. But yeah. you know, maybe, you know, she gets more in peril. She gets kidnapped. She gets you, whatever. They could go down that route. He uh, was almost willing to kind of settle down in Ohio with her. I mean, it almost felt like that mm-hmm. was where it was going. Until he got pulled back into, you know, yeah. and now, now he's, be, now he's becoming the punisher. You know, yeah. He's realizing now that, you know, this is the way, this is my purpose. You know, I'm, this is my, you know, my new career path. And, you know, I don't have any time for, you know, attachments or, you know, not weaknesses, but things to help to limit, to be used against him. You know, he yeah. has to be fully alone, you know, committed to the cause. Yeah. I mean, that was and I'm in agreement with you guys on that. It, it, but again, and again, they would try to cram so much into 40 odd minutes of, of TV time. And you go back to season one where we had the conversations with Frank and Karen, when Karen was trying to step in and help him out. And obviously we have daredevil season two, where Frank is introduced to Karen and we see the formation of their relationship. Long term, would it work? Absolutely not. There are two fundamentally traumatized, I don't want to say broken people, but they are very damaged in their own way. And clearly, Karen does not want to see Frank, how she views it, throw his life away. While Frank, as Eric alluded to, realizes his purpose and says, no, this is, I'm not throwing it away. I'm using it for something that works for him. And there's a again another quick little throwaway line that he asks her you know so does matt murdoch know you're here and when she and he she doesn't say anything he goes nope that's what i thought and says to her you know he's good people don't throw that away from me and you see how karen reacts to it and she doesn't see it that way but again had we gotten to season three i i really would have liked to have seen what the next step would have been. Would it have been romantic? I I don't think so either. I think it's much more fraternal and how they both look after each other because they both see the value in what they both do. But that is one of those dangling fish hooks from from how this uh, being canceled, uh, it's going to leave me going forward. I would have much rather seen Frank go somewhere else off into some other country 
and get involved into a situation like completely outside of New York, outside of the United States. It was just to do something completely different. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of directions it could have gone, you know, if, if you could go full circle with, with this and have it start with him back in that bar, you know, a couple months later, with the bartender, you know, and, and him trying to reconcile that. I mean, there's a lot of different directions they could have gone in, but you know, it's, there was a lot of untended ground that they could have brought up. Had we gotten a third season? Yeah. Uh, and obviously we need to still see how the season two ends, but you know, to me, that was one of the highlights of, again, having somebody like Karen page, to be able to be brought back and, and have that aspect of Frank's relationship that we've seen through Daredevil and season one of Punisher and, and kind of get that revisited a little bit. Yeah. And of course, this all ends up with Frank getting caught up by Mahoney and oh God. <laughs> lo- locked into uh, an ambulance and Mahoney's going to take him in via ambulance. Poor Mahoney. <sighs> if what we could had possibly season- go wrong with that, right? <laughs> If we had a season three, I'm sure episode one would have been him putting in his retirement pay. <laughs> well, you know, because think about it. We, we've seen Mahoney's, Mahoney's journey for many different... What, was he in Luke Cage? No, he was in Daredevil. Yeah, I, I was just wondering if he, where, where, he, where he lined up. I, but I mean, we started in, in Daredevil, and here we are, you know, he's a detective now. But, like, his full arc has been really kind of amazing when you when you think about like as a as a a very much a side character but integral he can he can interlink as as we go in these seasons yeah he's yeah the only thing that was missing from that was having um karen bring his grandmother cigars that was really what was missing from this episode yeah I think, did, a, I think he did appear in Luke Cage, didn't he? What, didn't he? Wasn't he talking Missy Knight one time? I think. He, I, yeah, he did. He's one of three characters yeah. that was in multiple series. He it was him, Karen Page, and uh, Claire Rosario Dawson as the night nurse. Yeah. Okay. Um. But yeah, when we see him in Daredevil, he's just a he's a grunt. He's a foot he's a foot soldier. And it's because of what happens at the end of season one of Daredevil that he gets bumped up to being a detective. Yeah. And now he's gone from that through. Daredevil through Luke Cage and now through Punisher. And I'm sure, I mean, he's got to be sitting there. What the hell is going on? Why is why, this happening to me? Why are you in my precinct? Why can't you go somewhere else in the five boroughs? Why do you got to hang out with in my area? I mean, good God, if he ever sees Madani on a vacant street corner again, I'm sure the first thing he's going to think of is, do I have my Kevlar on? Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, he has been. He, for a guy, for a secondary character who's been put through the ringer, you know, I, I genuinely feel for Mahoney, and which is great because at the end of it, he finally just, you're not the only one who gets to be crazy. Yep. It's like, I enough of this shit. Yep. I got my man. We're out. You're done, Madani. I'm, I'm putting him in the car. We're, we're, we're going downtown. We're done. <laughs> and fade to black. Well, and will they will they make it or not? Well, well there, there's no chance. Something something yeah, exactly. will go awry. We 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 fully we fully know that. Frank's so, not going to jail. We can guarantee that. Yeah. Yeah. So to cap off, now listeners, we have not just been watching Punisher. We're obviously watching other things during this this time of uh, pandemic. And I thought the guys didn't know anything about me bringing this up, but I thought I would I would put a spin on it. 
what are like the one to two things that are new ish that you have been watching? I'll, I'll begin. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I've, I've thrown down one movie, one TV show. The movie that I've seen on Netflix that I really enjoyed as a guy who really loved heat, um, is Den of Thieves, which I highly recommend. Just check it out. It's, it's got a great, uh, heat like gun battle and TV show. I've already watched all eight of them is Solar Opposites. It's the creators of Rick and Morty doing their own thing. Gents, what's Ooh, been in your COVID, I, your COVID queue? As somebody who, like you, loves Heat, I will need to go check out Den of Thieves based on that recommendation alone. So, uh, for me, I've actually been revisiting the Amazon show Bosch. Okay. Uh, season six came out at the beginning of this month. Uh, I binge watched all of that because it's really well done. Of course, if you're familiar with Bosch, it's based off the Michael Conley detective novels of which she's written like 30 of them. They've done six seasons on Amazon. They've already greenlighted a seventh. I do know they have confirmed it's going to be the last one. Ooh. Uh, but they are 10 episode seasons. And again, as we're talking about Netflix shows and how we've seen over the last couple of years, the condensation of content and how that impacts how stories get told. You know, they the writers for Bosch have to take these three, four hundred page books and condense them down into ten episode series that intersperse with different novels that Conley has written in different timelines. Uh, the acting is really solid. It's all shot in LA, which the books are set in, so everything is real. And it's just really well done. If you like crime fiction, not on a similar scale to Punisher, but if that's your 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 bag, nothing better than Bosch right now. Nice. Uh, for me, I guess the last film we saw last weekend was uh, on Netflix, uh, the Six Underground, the um, Ryan Reynolds like action, kind of like Mission Impossible kind of movie. Oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. okay. I, I, I think I, I think he's finally found his niche as like that that you know action smartass kind of hero like between Deadpool and this guy in Six, Under, Six Underground the, with with the quips and the action I think he's found his, his niche so it was, was a pretty good movie. Did Michael Bay do that? Yeah. Okay. Or, you I, know, it um, felt like it, so I wouldn't. But I yeah, wouldn't it had the, it had the you know Transformers, everything explodes. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was like he, I was like wow, this is, this is like a Michael Bay film, and at the end, a Michael Bay film. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I was just—I know he was involved. In it. I wasn't sure if he directed or produced it, but I know he had a hand yeah. in it. And then TV series, um, just kind of—I guess all of the, except exception of Legends of Tomorrow, all the CW hero shows have wrapped up, kind of disappointingly. So I am really looking forward to hopefully what is going to be like, hopefully a more lighter, more not depressing, serious, grim superhero show next week. Star Girl is starting up. So I'm really hoping that's going to be kind of like to revive the the CW superhero franchise. Yeah, I heard of that. Uh, that'd be very because it, 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 it looks more, looks more fun, upbeat, funny, not as serious. Because one of her main villains in this one is apparently a sportsmaster, and guy that runs around with like baseball bats and like yeah. sporting equipment as his weapons. So I mean, huh. that's got to be fun. I yeah. mean, I, I love the characters, the comic book. I want to see this in real life now. This this could be good. I want to see okay. how that works out. Casey Jones 2.0. Oof. Yeah. 
Well, and then, I guess, uh, and then I guess right. going forward in the future, they just announced the uh, new Star Trek Captain Pike series, which I can't wait for because I thought Anson Mount was the the star breakout star of season two of Discovery. You know, everyone's wanting the Pike show. You know, you know, hashtag they built the sets of the Enterprise. I can't wait. I'm fully looking forward I, to I, that I, This is the first year. I'm hearing about this. I can't believe they're doing yet another Star Trek. Yeah, there's going to be a whole... There's a couple of animated series coming out. There's Discoveries coming out. Uh, Michelle Yeoh, Section 31 series. So it's going to become the tentpole of CBS All Access, or whatever it becomes with this Viacom merger. But Yeah. I guess but that yeah, means I'm, I actually have to watch season two of Discovery now. I still have put that off. I don't think you do. Yeah, the, the, the whole Captain Pike and number one and Spock from you know the original series that that's the core. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to that. I, I really thought they knocked that out of the park with the characterizations of that. Well, Jason, it's up for, to you. Go ahead. Well, so being stuck, uh, you know, quarantined home with the kids, um, I've been doing a lot of uh, what's new Scooby Doo. Um, and, uh, Clone Wars. I think those are the two TV shows I've actually been able to watch. So, uh, I'm, I'm definitely taking recommendations at this point because help. Yeah. Well, how, you been- how, how's, how's Clone Wars season, what, seven and eight, the last two or six and seven? The la- so I have a confession to make and that's that I completely skipped Clone Wars, uh, when it came out. So I'm actually working my way back through, uh, on season two now. So, uh, I don't know yet. Okay. <laughs> And I believe that has ended as well. I think this last season was yeah. it. But yeah, I had heard really good things about it. I had started watching a couple episodes back in the day. Uh, and I think it was Star Wars Rebels. I had watched a couple that uh, the guy who did Samurai Jack did the animation for, uh, but never got back around to those either. Yeah, I highly recommend Rebels. I really love that mm-hmm. one. It was one of the, the it was one of those where the first season was kind of like, I'm not really sure. And then as it went, it got really good. Hmm. So um but yeah, I, I've I've gone back to, to Clone Wars to try to see if I can just because I've heard such good stuff about the last season. So, oh, speaking of CW, some new breaking news today: um, the the boy who played Barry Allen as as a boy, uh, fentanyl overdose, dead. Oh. Wow, he was like what? Sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah. Damn. Damn. So I, you know, I'm I'm good for bringing everything down. Yeah, but <laughs> it just it Thanks, just Mo, popped in my head. That. I couldn't help it. But Jen, well, so we, we've well, we've given a given a little little, uh, little preview to things that you can watch while you're at home. Any final thoughts? And now we have to wrap up Punisher season two in eighty minutes or less. Yeah. That's right. I think so we back can to do the lighter it. side of things. Back to Punisher, yeah. Right. yeah. So, <laughs> Let's see. So yeah, how, how are we going to wrap up forty-six plot lines uh, in two uh, episodes? Um, I guess. And it. if it's like the usual, where it's like they wrap it all up in, in episode twelve and thirteen, is like the denouement. Yeah, kind of I don't know. Probably not. That they, they got too much to. Well, I hope to do it justice and close it out in two hours versus an hour, and then have an hour of fluff at the end. So right, hopefully, well, we won't. Yeah. We won't put the negative waves out in the atmosphere. The weird no, it's thing all good. Is, they're they're, yeah. they're going to bring it home. It's going to be awesome. Oh, leave absolutely. Us wanting season three, which yes. we're not going to get. Yep. It's good. The go best. on a good note. The best. All right, gents. Thank you so much for joining us. Ladies and gents out there in audio land, we appreciate you. We love you. Stay safe. Stay home. Unless you have to, just be careful. Put a mask on. 
Be nice. We'll see you later. All right. There we go. One more to go. And then... Yeah, we got...